every day our lives are filled with choices. Like, do we get up to our alarm or do we hit the snooze button? Do we choose to work out today or do we just kind of dial it in? Hot or iced? Do we eat healthy or do we eat whatever we want? Do we respond to that thread or do we just kind of keep silent? Do we binge a series or do we read a book? Do we stay up late or do we hit the sack early? It's been estimated, and I don't know who does this, but it's been estimated that the average person makes 35,000 choices a day. Like, who counts that? And we have been working through this series um, on this sermon that Jesus preached to a group of very ordinary people as he was laying out what this kingdom was that he had come to establish. And as he's concluding this sermon, he does this by giving us some illustrations or some imageries to let us know that being a part of this kingdom, it comes down to a choice that we make. Being a part of his kingdom isn't automatic, and it isn't forced on us. Being a part of his kingdom isn't something we deserve, and it's certainly not something that we can earn. Being a part of this kingdom is a choice between Jesus or something else. Choosing Jesus isn't about whether or not we follow a set of rules. Jesus didn't come to give us a spiritual checklist to keep in order to determine if we are good if we are a good or a bad person. And if we reduce what it means to choose Jesus to keeping a checklist or following a formula that will lead us to become legalistic. And legalism will either make us feel superior to others because we're better at keeping the rules than they are, or it will constantly make us feel insecure because we don't know if we keep the rules well enough to be able to get in or stay in. And I understand how easy it is to fall into that. That's the church I grew up in. That was my experience that I believe that my relationship with God was all about keeping the rules. But, but Jesus, Jesus invites us into a relationship with him. And it's a relationship that's built on faith and trust in him. That he is exactly who he said he is. That he is God in flesh. That he has done for us through his death on a cross and his resurrection from the dead, exactly what he said he would do for us. That he has paid the price for our sin and offers us a restored relationship with God. And he has defeated death and given us the hope of eternal life with him. It's a relationship of complete dependence on him. That we come to the realization that we can't do anything apart from him. It's a relationship because we trust him and because of our dependence on him, we are able to fully submit 
and surrender our lives to him. We allow him to rule our lives. His way becomes our way because he is good and his ways are always the best ways. And we submit and surrender to his will and his way. We are able to experience life as it was originally intended to be lived. This relationship with Jesus begins to transform us to be more like Jesus. And this is done because he gives us his spirit that lives in us. Life and transformation follow or flow out of this relationship with him. And it's so important we don't get this backwards. Don't think that following a set of rules or practices is what gives us a relationship with God or keeps us in relationship with God. The choice is whether or not to enter into this amazing transformational relationship with Jesus. Last week, Dustin shared two of the ways that as Jesus is wrapping up this message, two of these illustrations that Jesus uses or imageries that Jesus uses to describe this choice. And one of those was the fact that there is a narrow gate that leads to life and a wide gate that leads to destruction. As, Garen descri- or as Dustin described, the, the narrow gate is Jesus himself. It's only through Jesus that we find life. And then he talks about the fact that there are bad trees that bear bad fruit or diseased fruit and good trees that bear good fruit. And Jesus is the good tree that bears good fruit. And as we heard read by Kate this morning, the passage we're going to look at this morning, he concludes his sermon. Jesus gives us one more image to show us the impact that this choice has on our Life. So let's read it again right now. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus says this, Every, Everyone, then, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. In this illustration, Jesus contrasts two groups of people or two builders. Those who hear Jesus and respond by trusting him, by accepting him, and entering into this relationship with him, and those who hear him and choose to trust someone or something else. And while there are similarities in in the story of these two builders, their choice leads to radically different outcomes. So I want to spend the next few minutes looking at three important truths that I think that we see in the story that Jesus tells of these two builders. The first one is this. Everyone builds on something. Everyone builds on something. Regardless of whether or not you believe in Jesus or trust Jesus, everyone puts their trust in something or someone. That's what it means to 
build on. That's what he's talking about here. We all put the weight of our trust or we put the weight of our hope into someone or something. And maybe you've never really thought about this before. So a way to discover what this might be for you, ask yourselves these questions. What or who do you rely on? What or who do you rely on? What or who do you find your confidence in? What are you putting your confidence in? What or who are you dependent for what happens next? What or who are you dependent on what happens next? And whether or not we realize it, all of us answer these questions every day. Sometimes we answer these questions with what Jesus calls sand. And we put our trust in our lineage, like where we come from, how we were raised, like our, the traditions that we grew up with. Sometimes we put our trust in our education or our intellect or our street smarts. We put our, our, our trust in our health or our fitness or our looks. We put our trust in career or success or what we're able to produce we put our trust in our family. We put our trust in our spouse or our parents or our kids. We put the weight of our trust in relationships like close friendships or, or a best friend or, or, or that significant other. Or, or in Rhode Island, we just know a guy. We put our trust in being right or how many likes we get. We put our trust in our achievements. We put our trust in our abilities, our charm, our wit, our talents, and our gifts. We put our trust sometimes even in our past. The hard things that we've been through and the lessons that we've learned and the fact that we've survived. Or, or, Jesus says, you can put your trust in him. Or the rock. Jesus is the one who, who loved us first, even when we were his enemies. Jesus is the one who created us, who created all things and still holds all things together. Je Jesus is the one who loves us in our mess and in our brokenness. Jesus is the one who died for us. Jesus is the one who will never leave us or forsake us. And he is the one who promises us like real life. Now and forever. It it's interesting the word rock that he uses here in this story is the exact same word that he uses in another conversation that he has with a small group of his followers. And, and he's asking this small group of his followers, he's like, who do people say that I am? And, and his disciples or his followers basically say, there's some that say you're Elijah, there's some that say you're a great prophet or a great teacher. And then Jesus, in, in Matthew 16, 15 through 18, he's, he turns the question on them. He says this. He says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And, and Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, which basically means Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, Simon Bar-Jonah, which is son of Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. 
And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And there's a lot of confusion, I know, in the church today as far as what Jesus is talking to when he refers to rock. It's not Peter. The rock that Jesus is referring to in this is himself. Jesus is the rock. Who he is and what he has done for us is the rock. And it's on his church, his people. He builds on this foundation of who he is. Everyone builds on something. What are you building on? And and I understand the struggle because it's easy to rely on the things that we see. Things that are close to us. Things that look good or feel good. Things that seem right. Things that seem to meet our needs and our wants and our desires. Things that seem trustworthy. Things that even seem worth building on. Which leads us to the second truth I think we see in this story. And that's this. Sometimes sand looks like rock. Sometimes sand looks like rock. I've heard many messages about sand, the sand and the rock over the years, and for the longest time I thought, who on earth would choose to build on sand? It just doesn't make sense. I mean, we can go to any beach in Rhode Island, we can stand right at the shoreline, and as the waves come in, we realize within a very few, few minutes of standing there that our feet disappear. Like, who would choose to build on that? And then I heard someone describe what the ground in Israel is like. This place where Jesus teaches this, that there would be long seasons of drought and riverbeds would disappear and even the great sea of Galilee would recede and what was left was this flat, dry, hard as rock surface. And if you didn't know any better, you would assume that was okay to build on that. Sometimes it's easy to mistake sand for rock. Jesus tells another story or, or parable that further illustrates why this happens. Remember, in this story, both people hear the message of Jesus. And the same writer who records this sermon of Jesus, Matthew, tells about the story that Jesus tells. It's found in Matthew chapter 13, and it's known as the, the, the parable of the sower. It's about a farmer or a sower who goes out to sow seed in this field. And, and that seed represents the message of Jesus. It represents this message of the good news of what Jesus has done. And Jesus talks about the fact that this message falls on all different kinds of of places. And that's basically represents those the different people who hear this message. He describes the fact that some of the seed falls on the hard path and birds come and they take the seed away and some of the seed falls on rocky ground and there's not any soil there and so uh, those little plants break open they just as soon as the sun comes out they just wither and die. And some of the seed falls among thorns and they get The plants get crowded out, and then some of the seed falls in good soil, and it produces fruit. And then later, his followers don't really understand what Jesus is even talking about, and so he explains this. Again, Matthew chapter 13. And he basically says the path represents people who hear, 
like hear this good news, hear who Jesus is, but they don't really understand it. Like it doesn't click, it doesn't like fall into place. They just don't understand it. The rocky ground are people who hear and they love the idea of it, but it just never, they never do take that next step. And, and similarly, the thorns are people who hear it and, and they're excited about it and they may start toward that, but then all of a sudden, everything else in the world just kind of like chokes it out. And then there are people who hear and they trust. And they decide to take the step and put a, put, put, um, make a decision, make a choice to have that relationship with Jesus. And what we learn from this is that it is possible to hear and even read the words of Jesus, to hear the message of the good news of the gospel and never make the choice to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And the danger in that is there is always something that will attempt to keep us from making the choice to put our trust and our faith in Jesus. The enemy will snatch the message from us, or, or, or we face some sort of adversity, and, and we qu quickly forget about Jesus, and, or, or we can hear what he's done, and we can quickly get caught up in all of the shiny things the world has to offer, and we can choose to trust sand. James chapter, James, the half-brother of Jesus, in one of his letters, he writes it this way. In James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Don't merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. We, we, must do, we must put our faith in Jesus. We must put our trust in Jesus. We must follow him wherever he leads us. We can't just be hearers. Why? Because he's the only way. That's the narrow gate. And we can only find life in him. That's the good tree. And because there are storms. We live in a world that has been broken by sin. And sin infected all of creation. And bad things happen. Storms happen. In fact, we can encounter many storms, and storms come in many forms. They come in the breakdown of a relationship. They come in the loss of a job. Storms come in the failure at school. They can, become, they can come at the betrayal of a friend. They come in waves of illness and disease. They come in addiction. They come in actual storms like hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. They come in the death of somebody that we love. And as Jesus shares, storms come to both builders. Those who build on the rock and those who build on the stand. In other words, those who trust Jesus and those who don't. And if someone has told you that if you trust Jesus and put your faith in him, you will never face storms, that life will just go your way, please know that isn't true. Nowhere does Jesus say this and nowhere does Jesus promise this. In fact, Jesus tells us just the opposite. Storms will happen. In this life, you will have trouble. Which leads us to the final truth we see in this illustration. Jesus doesn't promise a storm-free life 
but he gives us a storm-proof life. When we choose to put our faith in Jesus and trust him, when we have a relationship with him, we still face storms, but he is why we are able to weather them. Paul says it this way, to a group of people who were facing enormous storms in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. He says this, we have this treasure. In other words, we have this message of the good news of what Jesus has done in jars of clay. That's just referring to the fact that our bodies are frail. To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. When we feel the effects of the, we, we still feel the effects of the storm, but we remain standing through them. The ache, we, the ache when a relationship is damaged or broken, but we know Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. We struggle when we lose a job or when the economy is bad, but we know that God will meet our needs. We wrestle with our failures, but we know we are loved regardless of how we perform. We are sad and angry when we lose our stuff to thieves or storms, but we know those things are just temporary and that He is eternal. We grieve and mourn the loss of a loved one, but our hope is in the promise that death has been defeated. And that there is life that is after this one where we will be reunited and there is no more death or suffering or sickness. And we know we aren't alone. Jesus is with us in the storm and always. Even when we may feel alone, we're never alone. I know this. If it wasn't for my relationship with Jesus, I would not be standing here today. I would have crashed or I would have been crushed. I wouldn't have weathered the storms of the past seven years. The loss of my father-in-law and my dad. The pain of watching my wife battle cancer and suffer and struggle with nothing guaranteed. Navigating through the fear and doubt of our children. But he has been with us the whole time. He has given us peace and strength. He has comforted us. We know that he is good and his plan is perfect. We know he works in and through all the circumstances of our life for his purpose. He has kept us standing. And I know there are many in this room and listening online who share similar stories of standing through the storms because of Jesus. When we build our lives on Jesus, we become stormproof. And I love how Matthew concludes this sermon. And he captures the response of those who first heard Jesus' words. He writes in Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, he says this, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching 
them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Astonished. Essentially, that word means they were struck. That's literally what the word means. They were dumbfounded. They were speechless. Have you ever experienced something that left you speechless? Something so incredible or amazing or beautiful? All you could do is sit or stand in awe? That's what Jesus does. When we actually see him for who he is and understand what he has done for us, our response is awe. And Matthew tells us why they had this response. It's because they were sitting and they were listening to the author of life. He wasn't speaking about what others had said about God. This is God himself speaking to them. The author of life, Jesus, is inviting you to build your life on him. What will you choose? Let's pray. Father, just so grateful for you. Thank you for all that you have done for us through Jesus. And Father, that is more than enough. Father, I confess my own seasons of life where I want to build on sand. Father, help all of us build our lives to fully lean in and trust trust in you. Build our lives on you. Father, would you work and move in every life that is represented here today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.